man-to-man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. This guy's like becoming like a circus act. Like he could, <laughs> he could do, he could do this. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah, even talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown untouched. Right. To become who we want to be as individuals, and at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. Like, the KP does like these flips after every win. Now I'm like just waiting for him to do his flips. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Shout out to Jalen Ramsey. He sucks. <laughs> Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host Mark. We are what three, four weeks away from the NFL draft. It's probably you know coming up best time of the off season. It's a it's a really really good time. Uh, so I'm stoked for it. That's pretty much going to be this entire episode is we got draft talk for you guys. Um, so primarily what we got going on is we're going to talk about our top offensive prospects. And, you know, uh, we have to be toxic, too. So we have a couple, uh, you know, overhyped offensive draft prospects as well. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Masters, a little bit about the outcome of, uh, you know, NCAA Finals. Um, both women's and men's, and that's pretty much it for the episode. Mark, how you been, dude? You watch any movies? I'm feeling right here. Do you hear this? Full draft day. <laughs> that's how I'm feeling right now. That's how I'm feeling right now. Sounds uh, fantastic. This is, this is the draft episode, man. I'm I'm good. I watched the final four game, uh, both games. Watched the championship game. Uh, thought the games actually they got better. Um, a lot more looks, a lot more watches on those games, actually, compared to, like, some of the blue blood matchups we've seen in the past few years, which surprised some people. Um, but people just like to see the Cinderella story. They like to see good basketball. And sometimes those teams that you didn't expect to get there kind of draw more of a fan base as the season goes on. But well, uh, we, had, we, got, we got a game winner in the first game, which was one of the better shots we've seen in a Final Four, you know, which yeah. then UConn just showed their dominance. Well, yeah, I mean, UConn, I mean, beat just about every team by double digits, which is crazy. I think they might have beat every team by double digits. They were dominant. Um, happy that I chose them to go to the finals in my bracket. Ended up winning my my work bracket, so I was stoked about that. Won a little bit of cash, and it was fun watching UConn, you know, pretty much just dominate that entire game. Um, you think of the most dominant March Madness team, John, that you can remember seeing? That I can remember seeing because they didn't even come close to losing, really, at any point in the tournament the villanova team i I, and i posted a short on this the villanova team a few years ago um averaged like a 17 per game margin of victory and they were considered one of the better teams right they had an awesome run but uconn won by higher average points per game than that team so i think it was above 20 points per game (laughs) that's so crazy um and then obviously, you know, LSU, Iowa, the, the big drama there is obviously Caitlin Clark is like essentially the, you know, what the best female she's basketball player prospect. Yeah. And she's unbelievable. Um, you know, them losing to LSU and then uh, what was her name? Angel Reese, I think is what yeah, the drama Yeah. And yeah. look, this is, this is what I got to say. Cause people are even saying like, you know, oh, it was trashy for her to do that. And other people are saying, oh, that she was just mocking Caitlin and stuff like that. I'll just draw the line and say this is sports. And last time I checked, trash talk is allowed during sports. Like, yeah, if you're playing at the I, college uh, NFL level, level. That happens all the time. They're competitors. Yeah. There's adrenaline going through their body. They're on the biggest stage of probably their careers in that that moment. So, like, yeah, let that shit fly. Like the fact my that that uh, headline pissed me my off. My take on it is is slightly different. Um, I have no problem with your her taunting Caitlin Clark because Caitlin Clark had done it uh, in previous games. She's actually done it in more than just the previous game against Louisville. 
My problem was the timing of when Angel Reese chose to do it, and she did it in a much more taunting, disrespectful way um, than Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark did it as she walked by somebody. It was very subtle. It was still kind of a, you know, a jerk move, right? You don't, whatever. I, I'm not going to hate on taunting. I was never a trash talker. That wasn't really my thing. But if that's your thing, it's fine. She seems to be that. Angel Reese seems to be that. That's great. Um, it's good for basketball. It's good to see that. People want to watch that. But when you, after winning a national championship, instead of celebrating, the first thing you want to do is go find her, not only taunt her, but continue to follow her around the court as she leaves. And, you know, she's obviously upset. She just lost a national championship game. Um, and it's not like it was a close game at that point either. Like that, I think, was over the top. And it was just more about making it about me, making it about me compared to go celebrate with your team. You just won a national championship, you know. Sure. So Angel Reese's was a little bit different than Caitlin Clark's. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to make that's a fair about take. It. They were definitely. She was definitely more excessive about it. I'm not. I'm yeah, not, it was. Like, it was a little bit over the top. Caitlin you know? Clark also opened the door. You know, that's sure. something she that definitely, she does, and she didn't seem to mind it after after. Oh, no, and she's come out she's and said like, she has no problem with it. Yeah, she said that today in an interview. She says, "Listen, Angel, uh, you know, I have no problem with what she did." They, they earned every right to talk trash. They beat us and basically said that she's got no problem with it. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think it got blown out of proportion, but we're talking about definitely interesting. Definitely. And then, you know, the other, I guess, you know, non-related sports uh, or, you know, football topic rather is the Masters coming up. I said to Mark before the show, yeah, I, I love the Masters. It's like my favorite sport to just fall asleep to, just kind of chill out, watch some golf. And like, I don't even mean that in an offensive way. It's just relaxing. The the commentators' voices are nice and oh, smooth it's beautiful. and monotone. It's just great. You're just chilling the, out. The, you got the Masters. You got the Masters' voices, right? That's beautiful. You got the Masters' sound, right? That music starts playing, right? And it, it comes up with that logo, that beautiful logo. Um, and we've said in recent episodes, we talked about some of the best tournaments or, you know, championships in sports, March Madness. We just concluded, I think is probably the best tournament. It's the best, most organized. Uh, it draws the most fans that aren't typical college basketball fans. Everybody watches, everybody fills out a bracket. Um, and it's just, you know, it does a great job of drawing people that aren't typically watching it. Golf, the masters, same thing. People that don't watch golf or don't golf. They'll tune in for the Masters every now and then. They'll follow it. it a little bit. It's it's it. awesome, dude. It's I, I think it's probably the second best tournament um, style thing we have in sports in America. So, got to tip my hat off to the Masters. I love watching it. It's fun to bet on too because like the odds are so crazy because just there's one winner. So and you never know right who it's going to be. You know you have right. Tiger every year. Like everyone thinks he's got a chance. A bunch of money goes on him, and you just never know when he's going to somehow pull it off. Like right. he just never. Okay, and this is my fault for not tracking this. How has his injury recovery been? I know he's been back at it, but like, he, dude, you can never count him out. I think he's going to play. He and he, he will always say that he thinks he can compete and win. I mean, right. the dude, the dude had came off of one of the worst injuries. I mean, he almost died. Comes back the next Masters and wins the damn thing. People thought he would ne he would never golf again. And right. in the next Masters wins. Are you kidding me? Like you can never count him out. Ever. Yeah, he's it's it's unreal. He truly is a, and I mean he gets his, his proper respect for sure. But he truly. I saw is a funny thing guys, too, right? John, with the Masters, and this is, uh, you know, you and I both golf a little bit, far below average of you know what a player should be in golf. They said, um, what yardage, okay, per hole, so you can start from the same yardage on every hole, right. which you need to start at to win the Masters against the professionals. Would you have to start on the green or could you start from 20 yards off the green and beat everybody? Oh, that's tough because I would say my best, 
my my best like attribute as a golfer is probably my drive, right? But I'd obviously yeah. get smoked. But that ain't gonna help you against right. those guys. So yeah. so honestly, I would say yeah, I'd probably have to start on the green. And that's fair, dude. Oh, because you'll probably dude. Be, to be honest, I don't think people realize how hard the greens are. Like they make they're it like, look easy. Like but ice. you and I would probably putt ten times. Yeah, on, on average. Yeah, they're like they, lightning. They're they're yeah. so short, and the balls just. <laughs> so. I think we would have to start on the green and we still would probably not finish in the top hundred. Seriously. Like I actually think that no. <laughs> like, I'm actually think, a pretty I good putter. Right. Like it's probably the strongest part of my game is putting. And it doesn't matter because I would have no chance on those greens. Yeah. No chance. Um, okay. Any, did you watch any movies, anything you want to cover in the movie department before we get, get on the football stuff? Yeah, I did actually. I watched, it was a rewatch, but the first time I watched it, I was like so confused. I had to rewatch it again. Tenet. You seen it? I have not seen it, but I heard it's pretty good, so I might have to it's, go check it out. I couldn't really begin to explain to you what happens in the movie. All That's I could really explain kind of to you, all I could really explain to you, is it's another Christopher Nolan movie. It's better than Memento, which was the other one that I did not have good things right. to say about. You have to watch it more than once. It's kind of like Inception, but even more confusing. And Tenet, I'll say the title has something to do with the movie in terms of like Tenet is spelled the same way, forwards and backwards. So, like, you kind of have to use that as you're watching the movie to, like, try to figure okay. out what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I could I don't even know if it's good or bad. Honestly, it's like I liked watching it. It was it's a good watch, but I could not tell you if it's like good or bad. it's so, so confusing. I, I also watched a movie and it's probably my most rewatched movie ever. So I got together with my uh, my former classmates um, and watched Revenge of the Sith over again. But what we did was play a drinking game for Revenge of the Sith. And the three, the three things was anytime there was a meme that showed up in the movie, take a drink. Okay. Anytime a new lightsaber fight started, you had to take a drink. And then this was, this was the fun one, is anytime that you could repeat a line verbatim as it was being said, you got to pick somebody else to take a drink. If multiple people repeated the same line, everybody had to take one. Your so, nerd ass, your nerd ass probably did that the entire movie. Oh, I was I was smoking people. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even close. But <laughs> here's something crazy: is I've never watched any of the Star Wars. Yeah, that's again. So, so first of all, you're saying you know Pulp Fiction's not that good of a movie, and now you're saying that you haven't. I guess seen it was not good. I think Wars. it's overrated. I think it's overrated. Yeah. Whatever, dude. So that's that's. I feel a like it's too late, John. I feel like it's too late for me to watch Star Wars. No, just. Just watch like the first three that George Lucas actually made and wrote, and then like if you want to watch the other shit, go for it. But like that, that those core first six movies are really the you know the important ones. Well, you're saying first three, first six, first three. Well, oh, sorry, that's sorry. a lot. First, first six, the first two trilogies that George Lucas Sheesh. made. Sheesh. What do I got? Like forty hours of uh, movie watch time between yeah, the six like, of those. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like twenty hours, probably. Yeah, maybe. Dude, like they're the most, some of the most iconic not. movies of all time. Oh, I know iconic. I just I don't get what all the hype's about. Well, all the fuss. Well, is about. you're right because you haven't seen it. So how could you? I I don't know. That's true. Good point. I also didn't watch the Hunger Games till last week. So yeah, so you're just a little bit late on the movies, and then you had the audacity to call Pulp Fiction overrated. So yeah, but I've seen that movie. It's overrated. Whatever, man. Um, what what other Tarantino have you seen? Like Inglorious Bastards, Django and Chain. Okay, and yeah. they're all better than Pulp Fiction in my mind. Uh, slow down, but I w- I would agree that it's not his best. Django movie. Unchained, I think, is his best. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Inglorious Bastards is his second best. 
I did not like what's the new one with Margot Robbie and um, Leo and Once Upon Brad a Time Pitt. in Hollywood. Didn't love that one. How did you not like that one? I didn't not like it. I just thought, like, what the hell's going on here? Like, what's the plot? Yeah, you know for I mean? like you're two and a half hours into the movie and you're like, what's going? <laughs> yeah, so that goes down. Oh um, man, that's like what makes that movie so great. Name though. some other ones. I've seen more, dude. The Hateful Eight, um, Kill Bill, Kill. Oh, Kill Bill, up there. amazing. So Kill Bill, so good. Kill Bill might be. Kill Bill, I'll put it number two. The Kill Bills, I'll put those below Django, mm-hmm. and then I'll do Inglorious Bastards. Pulp Fiction is down there. Below Pulp Fiction is the new one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have not seen Reservoir Dogs. That one's good, but it's his first one. So, like, it's a little, yeah. you know, raw overall. Um, Jackie Rob or what is it? Is it Jackie Robinson? No, no, it's – what is it called? In w- which one? It's Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Um, that one's okay. I haven't seen fine. that one. It's uh, people say it's like his worst like character writing out of all of his movies, so it makes it like overall a weaker movie because I think like him having really interesting and like strong characters. They're saying he's gonna make. One, they're saying I guess the rumors one more. Make one more. He's got one more, and I'm hoping it's like a grand finale. So um, it's gotta be, dude. I mean, he's he's had some amazing movies. So before we get into uh, our draft prospects, I did send this to you on Twitter, and I'm gonna go ahead and screen share here. So. I, as Mark knows, spend way too much time doing mock drafts. I probably do a mock draft a day for the Lions. Um, And this one I just thought was pretty interesting. So what happened here was the Lions traded back for uh, with Jacksonville to take their 24th overall pick rather than 18 and then gain another second round pick. So they have three picks in the second round. Um. Obviously, this, there would have to be a very particular, specific situation where Jacksonville pretty much thought that the Lions were going to take a player they wanted at 18 for this to happen. Um, but I looked at this, and I'm like, okay. So immediately, our interior defensive line's disgusting, right? Like, just absolutely absurd. I think what happened was somebody traded up with, with Arizona to get one of the quarterbacks. You had four quarterbacks. Seattle took Will Anderson. Jalen Carter was who was left, right? Elijah Cansey, obviously, who's a more undersized. He's not like a nose tackle. He's more of just like a standard, like three technique D tackle. So that's complimenting Carter. We have a lot of guys that can play inside too, like Bugs and McNeil and stuff like that. So a lot of versatility, a lot of depth there. Then we got Clark Phillips, who, Mark, if I remember correctly, is probably your favorite, like, you know, day two cornerback uh, prospect. Uh, yeah, I like him. Like I like that. him up there with like some of the, I think he's one of the best corner prospects in the draft, but he's undersized. So he's yeah. kind of getting underrated. Um, Steve Avila, who is addressing our offensive guard problem. I personally think he's the best guard in this draft. Um, there's one other uh, guard that you can potentially contest that with, but I think he's the best. Um, Hendon Hooker uh, as our backup quarterback. And you got to grab Tank Bixby, right? Get a little bit more help on, on the running back situation. Dude's a stud. Uh, also has some pretty good hands overall. Very pretty similar profile to Montgomery and Swift, if I'm not uh, lying to you, but like still just a solid running back in my opinion. John, I think at this point, um, it's probably. I mean, I'd be surprised if the Lions don't move some of their picks. I would. I, I, I would I, say I, it's much more likely than not that we either shoot move for up three. or back. Yeah, yeah we, we either shoot for three to get Anderson, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Or we trade back and we load up on second and third round. And picks. That's like, what you and I have been saying for months now, dude. I mean, yeah. since we even looked at the draft, like we look at, especially after free agencies get, got going and we kind of saw what we did with the secondary. There's absolutely no reason why you, you don't move up to get Will Anderson or move back to get more value picks. And, and there's just like, there's just nothing interesting. It's a no brainer. Like there's nothing, there's, there's nothing. nobody you, worth grabbing. There's a huge pick. drop off. You're, yeah. There's a huge drop off after those first, you know, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and then the quarterbacks. And then young this, I would be pissed if we took this guy at six, but I, I would just be gotta, too. I just got to say, though, like this guy screams Dan Campbell to me. Uh, it's Devin Witherspoon. He's an aggressive, his, yeah. His, that, he's just a ball hawk, dude, and he tackles about. hard as shit. Like, I almost feel like, you know, if I we take a guy at six, though, dude, that's a defensive back. No, I'd be upset about it. Don't get me wrong, but just because of position value, though. But his value at his position, like, is good. He's yeah. a stud. He's he's a oh, yeah. good player. So those are my two stupid uh, Lions things that I'm going to talk about uh, just while I'm out here, you know, scheming stuff that's probably not going to happen. But that's what draft season's for, right? We sit that's around. It's we all hypothetical. Stuff. That's why John and I have cooked up. Uh, we're excited for this episode because we're going to do a lot, a lot of draft. I mean, you've pretty much heard everything other than draft. The rest from here on out is going to be draft talk. We're going to focus on the offensive side of the ball in this episode. Uh, and we're going to go defense next week and next week's episode. So what we're going to do is we have quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, tight ends, O-line. And what we've kind of done is we've picked our top two or three guys at every position. We've picked kind of a sleeper guy at every position. And then we've picked a guy we think might be a little bit overhyped or overrated at every position. And we're going to kind of break down those lists, why we have guys where we have them, uh, and then maybe like a potential good fit for them. Um, so, John, you want to start with offensive line, considering you are a former offensive lineman? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to follow that up with uh, I have no hell, what's, like no clue what's going on when it comes to uh, to evaluating offensive linemen to take that next step. And the it's reason, a hard scout. Yeah, and and the reason there's a few reasons why. So I at least have enough offensive line knowledge to kind of tell you why. Um, one, they get moved around a lot when they make that jump to the NFL because it, uh, probably contrary to popular belief, like, you know, playing left tackle and playing right tackle and then playing interior offensive line are three kind of very different positions. And like some of these guys, they might be undersized for a tackle, so then they have to move into the interior offensive line. Some of them that they're getting drafted just for their size. Um, you know, some of them, it's because of the fact that they are versatile and they can play anywhere on the line. Like, there's a lot of things that go into it. And so for that reason, I didn't really pick anybody that I thought was overrated because, frankly, I don't think my offensive line scouting is, is good enough. Um, and this is honestly a very generic list for the most part. Uh, number one is Paris Johnson. Uh, number two is Broderick Jones. Number three is Darnell Wright. And then my sleepers are Steve Avila and Chandler Zavala, who are Probably the two best interior offensive line picks, but they're very versatile. And that's why I thought both of them would kind of be, because you could play those guys at center. You can move them around a bit. Um, they're pretty damn athletic for their size. So that's kind of where I'm at. So it's pretty much like, okay, the three guys that are probably going to come off the board is a starting instant left tackle. And then, you know, your your interior offensive line guys that are, that are pretty uh, diverse and I think are going to be day one starters as well. In fact, I'd like to see the Lions target either of those guards um, in the second or third round if they're there. So It's definitely a need, yeah, for Detroit. Um, I agree with you. I think this is probably on the offensive side of the ball uh, the hardest position to scout, you know, year to year because 
Um, you have some guys that are clear cut, like going to make the trans, you know, the transition to the NFL. Well, right. Then you have some guys that may, they may move from tackle to guard, from guard to center, from center. Like, and that stuff is really hard to predict because it doesn't always work for those guys. Right. They might struggle at a different position. Some guys go from left tackle to right tackle. Like it's really hard. And that alone is a, a much harder transition than people think it is. Like, it's it, it really it's incredibly is. tough. Yeah. It's like, it's, I mean, you could, it's similar enough to like trying to shoot a basketball with your left hand compared to your right hand. I mean, for these guys, like, because yeah. if you're trying that to, first like, and I'm step, not joking, that yeah. first step is literally, you're so used to it the way that you've done it for four years in college. And if you don't have any experience going the other side, it is literally like trying to, you know, golf the other way. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's very hard if, if anyone's yeah. never tried to do that. So, um, it's a really hard comparison. It's hard to predict how these guys will translate to the next level. Not to mention what we've seen in recent years. A lot of these smaller schools, North Dakota State, some Division II schools, some MAC schools, have these linemen coming out that are getting drafted higher, right, because of uh, you know potential, even though their competition might not be as good as some of these guys you see at Ohio State, Michigan, right. Bama, their Georgia. physical attributes might be there. Right. Like that. I mean, so I, those uh, guys are hard to scout. I mean, yeah. they're hard to scout because they don't play against – LSU and Auburn and Wisconsin and all these other, you know, tough defensive lines and linebacker groups. So a lot of those guys have been going high. I mean, you saw the Patriots draft a guy in the first round that people were, I mean, Sean McVay Strange, was laughing. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were laughing at him. Like we had him as like a, fourth I, actually, I actually think he, he turned out to be pretty of solid. Of course he did. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Patriots rarely miss on guys like that. You know, yeah. they might miss on receivers. They can't draft a receiver to save, the, save their life. But, um, yeah, so it's hard to predict. So I have, similar to Johnny, Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. I think he's the safest pick in the draft. Totally. Roger Jones out of Georgia, another safe pick. And then another Ohio State guy, Dewan Jones. Uh, the Jones is there. Um, I think all three of those guys pretty safe. Okay, Dewan Jones, some question marks, but I think his upside is also higher than both sure. of two guys. And then my, <clears throat> my sleeper out of Minnesota, another Big Ten guy, just partially because his name's awesome. It's an offensive line name, John Michael Schmitz. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a guy that, that translates That is well. an offensive line name. Offensive right line there. name right there. But he's a sleeper. Um, they have him, I think, as like a day two guy, uh, maybe day three. But I think that he's going to translate well. Uh, I think he's going to fit in with whatever team he gets put on. Right. So and, I mean, that's a guy I don't have an versatility, guy. right? Like, he's a center they're probably going to bump him over to guard or something like that. Like That's that. what I'm Again, saying. And, really um, know. you know, I, my my draft comparison to him would be like Lindenbaum, right, who's had an awesome start to his career with the Ravens out of Iowa. Um, you know, he has the potential, I think, to be that good. He just hasn't shown it yet. You know what I mean? So that's why I have him there. And I don't have an overhyped guy because, again, there's probably a lot of them. And it's just – it's hard. It's too hard to predict too many underrated to be overrated. If, if this was last, last year's draft, I would have said uh, – uh, Trevor Penning, because same thing, like like yeah. New Orleans Saints drafted him purely off of his size and potential. He, his technique was sloppy as shit, and he gets super frustrated super easily when guys are beating him. And, like, you know, playing tackle is a mental game, man. Like, you're going against those edge rushers, like, and you do let up a, a sack. It's one of the hardest things. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things. I mean, you're going against freaks, man, all the time. And yes. I, another thing, too, I'll say why it's a hard position to scout is because I don't think there's a position besides quarterback that matters more about like studying their mental and how aggressive they can be, how, how smart they are, how they can communicate checks. Um, and, you know, you have to be mentally tough to play that position because you will lose, right? And um, it's hard to measure that, right? Because yeah. a lot of these guys have been the best player on their team since they were 14 years old. And yeah. now, they're, that, now they're going against guys that are better than them consistently 
on the well, other and, side of the ball. And you know, like people say, like the hardest position in football is playing, you know, cornerback, um, because of the fact that like if you get beat over top, like you just sit there and you look like an idiot. Everyone sees it, yeah. Yeah. And I would argue it's even worse being a, a tackle and getting beat for a sack because not only like getting beat over top, it's like you're sprinting trying to get back to that guy. If you let up a sack, you're just sit, like standing there, you're like a watching dumbass. it, like a spectator. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, your quarterback gets absolutely murdered, waiting for a Every, fumble to happen, and then you get your chance to scoop and score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, it's like it's like the most helpless thing ever. And then, oh, you got to let up next play. It's like whose job is it where you have to go up against the best athletes in the world, it, and your your hard, tolerance for failure is zero. You're not allowed to mess up once. No, you got to be a badass. You got to yeah. be an absolute badass uh, to play offensive line at in the college level, and then in the NFL, it's like a whole different monster. That's With why that it's so said, hard. I'm I'm ready to sign Penny Sewell to like a 10-year contract. Like let's just rip the band-aid off now. Let's let's give this guy his bag. Salary cap's only gonna keep going up. It just makes more sense to sign him until he's retired. Like he's a stud. I he's think a two franchise sacks. player. Franchise he's, player. He's incredible. He's just incredible. He's he's an absolute stud. So that's what I gotta say about that. Um moving on to tight end. Uh Mark, you go first since uh I went first on the O-line. Okay. Yeah, so tight end, uh, absolutely loaded tight end draft class. Me and John were talking about this before we we went live here. Um, Loaded draft class at tight end. One of the more loaded classes I can remember at this position. I would say this might even be the strongest position in this year's draft overall. Uh, That or I would say maybe defensive back. Really strong class. Um, I have kind of a different tight end ranking than most of the larger media draft analysts. I have Darnell Washington as my number one prospect out of Georgia. I, I just, the potential there, he, he, you know, he was behind the best tight end in the country. Okay. At Georgia. So he didn't get a ton of opportunities to show what he can do. You saw this guy when he did get his opportunities, it's all there, man. I mean, we're looking at like the next Kelsey potential Gronkowski level. He could be that good. Okay. And he can block while he's physical. Like George Kittle is he catches the ball. You see his frame, you see his athleticism, you see the potential that he's flashed at Georgia. And again, the guy ahead of him is literally probably the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. Okay, so it's hard to compare, but hes I think he's the best tight end in the draft. Um, <clears throat> you got Sam Laporta out of Iowa, who I have my number two prospect. A lot of guys have Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer ahead of him and ahead of Darnell Washington. I have those as like my 3-4, okay, or 3-A, 3-B. Couldn't really decide between the two of them. They're very similar players. Michael Mayer is getting more hype, but I think Dalton Kincaid is probably better. He's just not getting as much hype because he's out of Utah compared to Notre Dame. But Sam LaPorta out of Iowa, I think, is sneaky athletic at that position. Um, Again, Iowa tight end U. Okay, they put out – you don't have to question Iowa and their ability to develop tight ends. And uh, he had enough production to to definitely draw, you know – day two drafts. I think Darnell Washington, you, we might see him go in the first round. Um, and the only other guy you might see go in the first round because everyone has him there is Michael Mayer, right? Sure. Who I have a little bit overrated. He's, I'm not going to say, you know, he's overrated, but he's my overrated guy, even though he's just the third or fourth best tight end instead of the first. And then my sleeper would be Josh Weiler out of Cincinnati. Another sneaky athletic tight end that has the potential to go in. He's a pass catching guy. I uh, draw his comparison is like to Tyler Conklin, right? Who, who we've had on the show. He's not known for like his dominant blocking. He's definitely good enough to block in space, <clears throat> similar how the Jets use Conklin and how they're going to use Alan Lazard and guys like that. 
Josh, he, he's got that athleticism is kind of a, almost like a tight end, like a, almost like a power forward basketball player playing tight end. So I like what he could potentially do in the NFL if he continues to develop. And he showed enough at Stincy. So that's my sleeper. That's a solid list. And I like Weiler as your sleeper. Um, so mine, you know, similar list to Mark. Um, so one, uh, Kincaid is, is my number one. I think he's the most complete looking tight end. Like you said, I know it's kind of between him and, and uh, Michael Mayer. Um, I just think he's he's got better hands, and I think he I think they're probably about the same blocking. Um, but then number two for me is Darnell Washington, and here's the thing, right? He is the probably the best sized advantage in this draft. But then also he is great um, catching in contested situations. At least all, all of this last season he was. So he really is that guy that you're getting where it's like you're getting an offensive lineman that also can go out and, and run routes and catch passes. And I mean, we've seen him block, dude, because yeah. a lot of time at Georgia, he was the – when they would do their 12 personnel and they have two tight ends on the field, yeah. him and Bowers, right, he was the blocking guy and Bowers the primary play-action guy. So, so then he, in that situation, and to me, it's like, you know, uh, you're getting – and his name was just with me a second ago, Vegas's uh, old tight end that just, just went to the Giants. Waller. Waller. You're getting Waller, yeah. who's a little bit better of a blocker, in my opinion, even. So it's – it's that's Yeah, what that's, I his, that's a fair Waller. draft comp right there is Darren Waller. I yeah. think he's could be – again, I could he could be put up there with, like, the Gronkowski and Kittle level of play. Like, he totally. could be that good. Like, it's very fair to say that. Um, I think your safest draft pick is is Michael Mayer, in my opinion. Like, if you're just trying yeah. to go get a dude. Like, That's why everyone's got him at the, yeah. you know, he ran a little bit of a slower time. But, yeah, you know, doesn't have very... the, the highest ceiling, I think, in my opinion. But he's he's got a high yeah. floor. So, uh, my sleeper is, is Zach Kuntz. Um, so, I think the reason why he's a sleeper is because of the fact he played at Old Dominion. He originally played at Penn State, and he transferred to Old Dominion. Um, he's six foot eight. And that's why he's my sleeper, right? At the very least, you're going to get a guy who likes to block and can do that job for you. Um, he definitely is a little rougher on the edges when it comes to, to routes and, and catching. He's not as refined as Washington is, but I think he can get there. He's my sleeper. And then my overrated guy, in my opinion, is actually Sam Laporta. Um, I don't think he's like, you know, like he's not going to be a bust by any means. But to me, it's like, you are getting just essentially that, oh, he's an Iowa tight end. He's the, the Iowa tight end for this draft. And I think that that kind of is, has bolstered his stock a little bit. Um, everything that I've seen on tape from him from uh, even a blocking standpoint, I really just think like there's a little bit more to be desired there. I think he'll be fine. But uh, overall, I, I would go for these other four guys over him potentially. Maybe maybe not Koontz as my sleeper, but like that's a guy you might want to take if you miss out on these guys. So that's what's fair. It's fair. I uh a lot of people look at that and say, oh, another Iowa guy? No way, you know. But, mm-hmm. hey, s- similar to, you know, how Ohio State's put out all these receivers and, you know, stuff like that, there's a reason there's a that brand they're going. To it. There, there's a brand to it, man, and it's because right. the development and coaching there is helping those guys get to where they want to go, and it translates mm-hmm. to the NFL. A lot of schools, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate to the professional, right? They could be really good college players, you know, like Ohio State quarterbacks, for example, have do not have a good history of once they get to the NFL – producing right um you could say that about michigan quarterbacks too aside from tom brady so um want to get into our running backs do you want me to take the running backs first or do you want to take the running backs um well just to be fair i'll take running backs first that's cool with you um 
So, number one, surprise, surprise, uh, Bijan Robinson. I, I think he's, he's the best. He's the best running back. That's three or draft classes. He's he's he can break tackles. He's incredibly fast. He can catch. Like he's 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 one hundred percent. Shake and Barkley compares. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's absolutely fair. Is fair. Um, second, you got Gibbs. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to say he's not as versatile as as Bijan, but that's kind of where I very different player. You know, the yeah. yeah, exactly. Like he's he's more of you know like a a grounded pond kind of guy, right? And that's and he's good at that job. Um, and then three and look, I'm going to be honest here. Like I did, I have a couple strong opinions about running back and a couple not so strong opinions. Three, I put uh, Spears. Um, and frankly, I put him there because of the fact that PFF had him ranked pretty high, and I watched some of his film and didn't see any red flags. So that's why I put him there. Um, to me, uh, my sleeper is Tank Bigsby. I've been talking about Tank's big, Tank Bigsby for months on this podcast. Um, and look, he's my sleeper because of his name. I, I, I just can't see a guy being named Tank Bigsby being a bust in uh, the NFL. I just can't see it. Um and then my overhyped guy is, I'm hopefully pronouncing his name, Roshan Johnson. And I think his draft stock is bolstered because of the fact that he he plays with with Robinson. And I think that's why he might be a little overhyped. I think I saw him as like running back number four or five on the board. Um, I don't think he's bad. I just think also like you're going to get a lot more looks at the NFL level if you're playing behind or with, you know, probably the, the best running back in the past three or four draft classes. So that's my list. All right. That's not bad. I you, my list is going to be quite contradictive to yours. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Uh, Robinson is my top running back, so that is the only spot that we kind of agree. Um, I do think it's fair to compare him to Saquon Barkley. I think he has the potential to be that level player. If you watch the film, some of his runs at his size, the ability for him to side cut his jump cuts, like he's explosive as hell, man. Like he's a top ten player in this year's draft. I don't think he'll go top 10 because running back value has just become kind of a, a joke in the NFL. They're just not durable enough to draft him that high, but he's that good. Gibbs, I think uh, you could actually argue argue will be a better NFL running back than him because of the fact that he has more of a <clears throat> pass-catching ability. He becomes almost like another receiving weapon out of the backfield, which is really tough for linebackers to cover. Um, he showed that all over the place at Alabama. His draft comp would be like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Okay, that kind of player that is like a hybrid running back slot. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that's – I think he's got that chance. That He's got a chance to be like Debo Samuel too if he gets a little bit bigger um, at, at, in terms of how they use him. <clears throat> I have um, – I don't know if I'm saying this right. I watched him play several times from Texas A&M. Devin Akani or Akani. Um, <clears throat> probably not saying that right, but uh, hell of a player. Similar to Jameer Gibbs, playmaking guy, crazy speed, crazy change of direction, can catch the ball in the backfield, third down, he's a three-down back, right? Those are the toughest things to find in the NFL right now. Same comparison as Jameer Gibbs to like a Kamara, to that kind of guy who can catch the ball in the backfield but can still be in on first and second down. Not afraid to block either, which is a huge thing. All three of these guys are not afraid to block. My sleeper is Cameron Peoples out of App State. This dude runs probably the hardest of anyone in this draft in terms of the running backs. Um, you watch him play in like the senior bowl. You watch him play at App State on his film. This dude will not go down on first contact. 
He will fight for the extra two, three yards every single snap, not afraid to block, and he can catch the ball in the backfield. So he was fun to watch. Uh, he was a part of a really electric App State offense that was upsetting some really good teams. And then uh, my overrated player, which is very ironic because he was your underrated player, is Tank Bigsby. Um, Mark, you had, your reason Tank was Bigsby. his name. Exa- dude, exactly why he's overrated. He's getting – listen, Tank Bigsby is a good college player. Okay, he's highly touted out of high school. Everyone's known him because of his name. He didn't have crazy production in college. Okay, I don't think he lived up to the hype that he had coming out of high school. And I just don't think he's an every down back. I think he's kind of going to be a first and down, first down, second down back. I don't know how good he is at catching the ball in the backfield compared to these other guys. I don't know how willing he is to block. Like he's going to be probably a fourth, third round pick. And maybe higher than that, but I just, I don't know. I think he's overrated. Some people have him going, you know, way higher. You want the Lions to take him. I do not. So he's my overrated running back. Um, yeah, we'll see how this ages for sure. Um, and honestly, I think there's other prospects I'd rather see the Lions take if we are going to take a running back. Um, but look. There's plenty of better options, man. I, I can tell you one thing for sure. Um, his production is probably going to, like, honestly, he reminds me more of a Jamal Williams um, that has a little bit more catching ability from what I've seen. Um, but also, he's just a Dan Campbell guy. His, name, his name's Tank Bigsby. He's got to be a Dan Campbell guy. So that's that's what informs that for me. Tank Bigsby, cool name. You know, that's about it. That's all you're getting out of me. And he's a good player, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to put him up with, up there with the guys that we just listed. I just can't. I don't think he's the same player. Um. All right, take it away with wide receiver, Mark. This is this is your position. All right, I'm gonna light it up here with the wide receivers. Um, loves receivers. Feel pretty confident scouting the wide receivers. I played wide receiver. I've studied this position for <laughs> my entire life. Okay, um, and you know when it, when it comes to the translation from college to NFL, it's pretty damn clear. Okay, it's not always teams receivers all the time, and it's because they look at the wrong things, right? Um, and this year's draft, you have a, you have not as good as some of the last years we've seen, but a, a very good receiving draft here. And um, the, the main point I want to have about the receivers in this draft is there's a top dog in this year's draft that a lot of people are actually debating who is the top dog. But there's a clear top dog, and it's not close. It's JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jake Bot, Ohio State. I agree. And I will, I will explain here why. Okay, it's not close. He's one, and then there's dot, 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 dot. And then there's two. Okay, there is no one close to him. And here's why. Um, He missed this year due to injury. Okay, and a lot of people are bashing him for it. Uh, He did want to play. He came back and tried to play several times in practice, even tried to come back and play in a game. Hamstring injury. um, Very hard to play through. I've had it. Very weird injury. You feel like you're good. All of a sudden, you're not good, right? The second you push it. So it's very hard to predict when you can come back. So everyone, you know, Ohio State fans probably salty that he never came back he would have made a huge difference for them. I think it's hurting his draft stock a little bit. Let's think, I don't know, not too long ago, the last guy that did that, his name was Jamar Chase, who didn't play due to COVID, chose to sat out, didn't want to risk his injury. His draft stock got hit a little bit. Bengals took him. I think it's working out just fine for him and Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. So let's not forget that that wasn't too long ago. So let that uh, negative about JSN out the window. If you watch this guy's film, if you literally just watch one game, Look up his highlights from the Rose Bowl. Dude put up 350 yards receiving in one game. You will not see a better individual wide receiver performance in college football ever. I mean, 
three touchdowns, okay, almost had a fourth one. Got, he fumbled on the one-yard line going in. Um, you watch him run the ball. He, if you play a man-to-man, he's quick enough, he's fast enough, where he'll beat you, right? He can run any route. He can attack you vertically. He can spread the defense out over the top. He can make you scared that he's going to beat you like Tyreek Hill. He can run underneath routes like Adam Thielen and Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, all those guys. He has everything. You ask Brian Hartline, who's kind of considered the engineer of the receiver factory coming out of Ohio State. He was on Boston with the Boys podcast uh, literally last week, and he was asked top three receivers you've coached, right? He had Marvin Harrison Jr. as his number one overall prospect, okay, which is crazy because he's not even draft eligible. Right. And then his number two, JSN, ahead of Garrett Wilson, who just had a offensive rookie of the year uh, season, and then ahead of Terry McLaurin, who's a pro bowler with the commanders, and ahead of Olave. You know and, the, I mean? and the Lave and Wilson both say that, that JSN is better than them both. Too. Yeah, Mark both two two guys that played with him said, okay, he's better than us, right? What else do you need to hear to prove that this is the best receiver in this year's draft? He would have been no, the first I, receiver I taken in last year's draft if he was eligible. I, I agree. And then close. And then um, so he's he's a top guy. I And I told John this. I think he's – I've been watching his film. So you can't tell – I've been watching this film and breaking it down. I think he's the best player in this year's draft period. Who I would have as my second best player. Had a Jalen Carter. Had a Stroud and Young. How, how high do you Richardson. think he goes? Top 10? <clears throat> yeah. I think the latest he goes, to be honest with you, John, is the Bears at nine. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the latest he goes. I think that I could see, I could see um, several teams taking him. In those top yeah. first ten picks, I could see people trading up to get him. Yeah, I don't. Like he's, I don't he's he's a generational talent. So you have him, and then obviously da 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 da. Your next guys, which nothing against them, it's just JSN's that good. I like Jordan Addison a lot out of USC. Okay, he was the Pitt transfer. He played with Kenny Pickett, had a um, Blitnikoff year with Pitt. Came to USC, played in Lincoln Riley system with Caleb Williams. Doesn't hurt to play for Pickett and Caleb Williams as your two quarterbacks. He he knew it all. Checks every box, has the speed, has the change of direction, can run the routes, great hands, has a size. Would not have any problem with any team that picks him. Uh, I have third overall, Quentin Johnson. Now, <clears throat> there's going to be questions then, right? He's I, His draft comp to me and what he could be is like T. Higgins. Okay, that's what I see him as. I don't know if he'd be like a true receiver one, right? Because, I, I mean, T. Higgins, he's like a receiver 1B right behind Jamar Chase. But you have him in the right system with another receiver opposite of him. He's a mismatch. He's a nightmare, right? Because who do you put on him? Do you do you put safety over the top to help? Do you have smaller corners guard him? Do you have your longer, taller corner try to follow him around? Because he's got the the speed to change the game over the top, but he's also got the size to just be an absolute red zone nightmare. And he can block. So I like that for the fact that he brings lots to the table. Uh, my overrated player is Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. I think that he has the speed and the deep threat ability you want on your team, but his underneath game, which – you want to have that to complement that speed is average, slightly above average. Not a bad prospect. A lot of people have him even in the conversation as like the top receiver in the draft. I don't think he's close to these other guys I've named. And then my sleeper is out of Michigan State, Jaden Reed. Um, Jaden Reed started at Western Michigan, so I saw him play in the MAC. Transferred because he had such a great uh, true freshman year. I had to sit out a year because this was before the portal rules to Michigan State. And ever since he was able to play at Michigan State, he was their best player on the team um right. and he's he's got special teams 
to go with it, right? He's got big playability as a punt returner, kick returner. That's always anything I, I you can do to separate yourself. Because of the fact that MSU was garbage, I think is a team garbage this year. year. I agree yeah. with you. Uh, he, he, I think he raised his stock back up, though, John. You're right. He had a great. I think he won he at the Senior Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. He had great week of practice. I don't think he lost a one-on-one rep all week. Had an awesome Senior Bowl game. Did well at the combine. He's he checks every box for me. He's slightly undersized, but. His comparison, honestly, is what he could be is like an Antonio Brown. That's kind of what I see him. Undersized, can line up in the slot, can be cheap, can run, has great hands, has great neutral ball ability, right? Any ball that is thrown to him, he's covered, is like a 70-30 chance he'll come down with it somehow, you know? And that having that at his sure. size changes your, you know, your draft front. Not to mention he can return punts like AB. So that's why I have Go ahead, take over your – I want to hear your receiver, see how he compares my one two or right I, I jn's probably not probably he's definitely the, the best receiver prospect in this draft i don't think it's particularly close obviously him not being around this past year kind of hurt his stock a little bit but i don't think that should matter in the grand scheme of things um you know it's i truly think he is a, a very generational wide receiver talent wide receiver for sure um Addison, I haven't seen it on his tape, uh, but I kind of right there with you. Uh, he's obviously, you know, the number one guy uh, catching passes from Caleb Williams. That's usually going to make you look pretty good. I think he has all the physical tools to make it happen. When you could be the top um, guy at two schools in two years, I mean, clearly you're a part of the solution. Right. So, And so another, a guy that you didn't mention, which I'm actually surprised because I think you'd be pretty impressed if you watched his tape, was Zay Flowers. Um, you know, he's coming out of a small school, so obviously that, you know, it leaves a couple question marks, but, um, the, the dude runs super clean routes, has great hands. Uh, I think he is. I like Zay Flowers. He's going to be a solid NFL player in my opinion. Um, overhyped in the sense that I don't, I don't think he's actually a first round draft pick is for me, Quentin Johnson. And the reason why is because of the fact that I think he's great and contested catch situations and his yards after the catch is pretty killer as well. I think like his speed isn't anything to write home about his, his route running isn't anything to write home about. And um, I, I forgot who you, who you even compared. T. Higgins. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know if it's, it's totally there personally. I, I think his size is really helpful to his draft stock because of the fact that it's it's a matchup nightmare wherever you go. I'm just not sure if he has all of the tools to actually get the job done. We will see. I'm not trying to say again that this dude's going to be a bust. I just don't think he's like going to be a top 20 pick, which I see him projected to be a top 20 pick all of the freaking time. He's actually... You, so you you might still be solid about that's fair too um my sleeper is is at perry out of wake forest which um to me this is a dude that if you miss on quentin johnston but you want similar physical tools and uh pretty similar attributes as a wide receiver overall this is the guy you should look for in the later rounds i think he might be a better overall player than uh quentin johnson yeah i i think everything's there for it so it's, uh, you know, again, sm- you know, not as big of a school, obviously, like wasn't in the playoffs, things like that. Probably heard of stock. He's six foot freaking five. He's got good hands. He's got very similar speed. Um, I, I probably think- slightly better route runner. 
Yeah. So I think if he's, if he's there, you know, in the third round or wherever he's going to end up being, I, I think he's a solid pick. If you missed out on kind of that big body tight end or big body receiver that you were hoping to get. So that's why I have him there. Um, and then moving on to quarterbacks, I, uh, you know, this one's tough obviously, cause there's only a handful every single year that, you know, th- there's conversation around usually. Um, so he and Mark, I'm actually pretty sure it's the same. So I guess we can just kind of talk through these guys one by one if you want. Um, number one for for both Mark and I are is Bryce Young. Yes, he's undersized, but I think he's the most NFL ready quarterback from a a mental coaching standpoint. I think this is a dude that you'll be able to plug in, and he will be taking starting NFL reps pretty early on. I don't think there's a whole lot of like sitting on the bench developing behind somebody else that's going to need to happen with Bryce Young and. Frankly, wherever he goes, either Carolina or Texans, he's not really going to have that option anyways. There's not really when anybody it, when, it, when it comes that. down to when it comes down to pressure and performing under pressure and big games and big moments. I don't think you can even compare Stroud and Young. I, Young Bryce Young uh, in big moments and big games. Even I mean, in some of the games that he lost too. Okay, like some of the national championship game uh, against Georgia, like he still performed very very well. Okay. And in some of the rivalry games that we saw C.J. Stroud play, cough, cough, Michigan twice in his last two times against Michigan, he kind of choked. Uh, Stroud played really well against Georgia in, that, in the semifinal this year, good enough to beat him, which is impressive enough. But there was just too many times in Stroud's career where he had the opportunity to take everything he ever wanted, and uh, he did. And Bryce Young, I just think, performed better in big moments, right? And I think he's more mentally ready, like you said, um, he, he gives me Drew Brees vibes. Very accurate passer, undersized, perfect form, coachable, humble, quiet, good leader, just does his job, right? And C.J. Stroud kind of different comparison, right? But that, that's why Bryce Young had a bad Stroud's not a bad player. No, and I've heard a lot of Stroud comparisons to Jared Goff, and I actually, you know, like that because, I mean, he's just this small that, dude. Yeah. And prefer, you know, prefers the pocket pass. He's not going to be this, like, you know, He's super- an accurate thrower. Exactly. Accurate thrower. He's not going to be this athletic freak that puts the entire team on his back, but he's going to get the freaking job done. And I, I think that's actually a very, you know, uh, fair. Solid that's a fair comparison. And I, and, and to be fair too, and we've said this before, those are really the only two guys I genuinely think make it in the NFL. Okay. As potential starters that last around the league that are names that we t- continue to talk about for years to come. The rest of these guys, I think, are going to be forgotten about. Well, this this um, next guy that we're going to mention here, he he's going to make it in a different way. I think this dude's going to be a solid, solid second string quarterback for a long time, in my opinion. Like he kind of gives me like Geno Smith vibes in that sense. Where is he going to be a starter? Probably not. But is he going to be a really solid second, you know, second option for whoever's team? And why I think the Lions should probably take him. Yes, and that guy's Hendon Hooker. Um, Look, his physical attributes are great. He seems to be a really humble, solid guy. Uh, he definitely was showing, I'd say, like, you know, NFL decision-making when he was there with Tennessee, and his hands are freaking huge, and he can freaking sling it. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. Honestly, like, I get Richardson as being, like, this athletic freak prospect. If that's why you're high on Richardson, why are people not also high on Hendon Hooker for you know, kind of similar reasons, in my opinion. Like, I, I think these guys should kind of be talked hand in hand. And I think Hooker's out, honestly, a more developed quarterback. Than them, so um, I, I agree with you on part of that. I disagree on part of it. Uh, I, I think Hendon Hooker is the better prospect. I think he'll be a good backup quarterback uh, in the NFL. I think he has a way 
way better mental preparation for the NFL than Anthony Richardson does, which is why I think it knocks on Anthony Richardson a lot there. He's so young. He's still so raw. And you just don't know if he's going to develop. It's not easy to learn how to play quarterback, especially when you're trying to do it against the best athletes in the world. Okay. It's one thing to develop a guy for four years in college to try to put him in the NFL and just say, Oh, he'll figure it out. Like, no, a lot of guys don't figure it out. Okay. Because it's not easy to do. Um, and then what you said about kind of comparing their athleticism, I think Richardson's much more athletic than Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's um, athletic, but yeah, I don't think you can put him in the same conversation as Richardson. I think the guy you should be comparing Richardson to in terms of athleticism, which I don't know why people aren't, is Will Levis. And Will Levis, not as athletic as Richardson, but he's the closest guy in the draft to him in terms of athleticism. He's got the big arm. He can throw from weird angles. He's got the Josh Allen, you know, can throw it out of the stadium type of throw. But – a lot of interceptions, a lot of missed throws, oh, right, where he's overthrowing people. But he he can run the ball similar to Richardson, and I don't know why those two aren't compared more. I think Levis is probably actually a better prospect just because he's played more games. He's shown more good things on film. Richardson probably has a higher upside than Levis. Doesn't matter to me, and both those guys are my overrated. And, I think um, both of these guys are going to be interception machines in the NFL. I don't think either of these guys last longer than three, four seasons. Uh, I, think, I think I think really don't. Punts. Like, I think both these guys are going to be like, oh, shit, I'm struggling right now. I'm just going to start lobbing shit down the field. What did three. what did we learn? What did we learn with Zach Wilson's pro day? Uh, oh, this dude's got a cannon of an arm. He's 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 nuts. He can you know he can throw it downfield. He can all, throw all, when all. he when his when his hips are left. He can throw it sixty yards right. He can right. throw it from the right hash to the left. You know numbers. All this cute stuff that looks great, right? That somehow gets you to be able to you know have a little fun night with your best buddy's mom, right? All the stuff that is is really cool. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson do the same crap? Doesn't translate to the NFL, man. Doesn't translate to to winning football games, to being a productive quarterback in the NFL. Um, the only two guys that have that this year, unfortunately, Bryce Young, Stroud. And now, my, an sleeper, my sleeper, my underrated, yeah. who's yours? Yeah. Uh, mine was going to be Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's UCLA. You, you're high on this guy. Can you explain to me why? Um, I I mean, so obviously, like, he's not like this big, massive athletic freak that the people are looking for in, you know, Booker, Levis, Richardson, and stuff like that. I just think – same same thing, right? Like, I'm not saying that this dude's going to be a starter. I'm saying that this dude's going to be a reliable second string quarterback. Um, I watched some of his tape. I forgot who who started talking about him a bunch. Um, Might have been Brett Coleman at one point. I'm a big fan of Brett Coleman's channel, especially he's his draft prospecting is some of the best on YouTube, in my opinion. And he got pretty high in him. I started watching some of his film. I'm like, yeah, I can I can see it. Like, this is a guy that you know I could see the Seahawks, you know, bringing on to develop under Gino if they can grab him in the, the second or third round or something like that, right? Like those kind of situations. Um, so anyways, who, who's your sleeper? Max Duggan. And um, it's uh, it's one of those things with Max Duggan where you cannot measure what he accomplished at TCU overcome. And it's it's just you have someone that hunger hungry that's shown what that hunger can do, not to mention he has – the ability to run the ball. He ran a four five forty at the combine. He's sneaky athletic, great leader, uh, was a Heisen finalist, put up record breaking numbers at TCU. Max Duggan is being forgotten about. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's messed up. I think that he should be drafted. There, I mean, there's talks that he may not even be drafted. Oh, I, I hope and he gets drafted. I, I think he's definitely a, a him draft. Him and Stetson Bennett are kind of in that, 
Yeah, I agree. But, you know, you know how it gets, man. Sometimes. Oh, and Duggan is a lot more upside just, I think, from a physical attribute standpoint than Bennett does. I mean, and look, yeah. I, I think Bennett's going to be an okay second-string quarterback. It, uh, you know, he's going to have an okay career as a second-string quarterback. I really do. So, yeah, we'll see. So those are the, I guess, the other two guys. But Max Duggan, yeah, I'm high on Max Duggan. I'd like to see I'd like to see him get a chance to be a backup quarterback. I'd like to see him get drafted to the right team. He's a guy that uh, people are sleeping on. And I think he's better than people are giving him credit. The fact that Anthony Richardson is getting all this talk and Max Duggan's getting essentially none, I think that's messed up, dude. I mean, look what he just did last year compared to what Richardson did. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. So, and I think, you know, winning's an important thing to look it's at with quarterbacks. The, it's the most important thing. They can, <laughs> they can take it into their own hands at the college level, and there's not a he whole lot to of positions a, that can say that. championship game at TCU, man. You yeah. know what I mean? He beat that's a no very joke. good Michigan team. He, like, just he willed us that team all the way there. Um, I, I you're right, he's not being talked it. about enough, so no, I completely agree with you. Um, so yeah, look, that that wraps it up for this episode. We're gonna do pretty much a similar format next week with uh, with defensive prospects, and then probably the week after that, we're gonna do at least one mock draft, maybe a couple, right? I mean, I think mock drafts are a lot of fun. Obviously, you're seeing more and more of them. And as we get closer to the draft, I think everybody kind of has a better idea of, you know, where, where the dominoes are going to fall. So um, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, this was a blast, Mark. And I'm excited to see how horrible some of these takes age and, you know, how good some of them age. So I feel uh, pretty good about these ones, man. I feel pretty good. We'll have to see. Um that's the beauty of the draft, man, is you can either miss and it, it can set your franchise back 10 years uh, or you can hit and you can be like the Packers and have two quarterbacks in a 40-year span. You know? Yep. Or, you know, where Aaron Rodgers is going right now to the Jets who look locked and loaded because of pretty much the rookie class alone, I mean, from yeah. last year. They hit so hard that they're an entirely different franchise. So, yeah, super cool stuff. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace out.